Reporting is Eligible is proudly supported by Appleton Coffee Company. They're a small local roaster in Appleton, Wisconsin, and I make a pot of their Packerland breakfast blend just about every morning. I also have a very large bag of the barrel-aged coffee that I enjoy on the weekends. If you go to appletoncoffee.com and use code RAE at checkout, you'll save yourself 10% and you will support the show. Once again, that's appletoncoffee.com, code RAE at checkout. Hey everybody, welcome to the draft edition of Reporting as Eligible. Um, Going to preview what the Packers are likely to do, do a little review of what they did last year, talk about some of the guys on our radar. Um, but before I get to that, um, joining me from urban Wauwatosa, as we've established, is... Hey, it's J.R. Radcliffe, training sports reporter from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. It has been a minute since we sat down... And talked some football, Paul. I was uh, I was on a walk the other day. This was a few weeks ago now. And all of a sudden, a new episode of Reporting is Eligible popped up. And I'm like, what? Who is this? And it was you, and it was text, and it was great. And then I once again was reminded that you do not need me, but uh, but I I appreciated the content. And uh, now now we're gonna dig up some more for a pretty big pretty big day coming up here. Indeed, draft week is fun, even though I, I conceptually and philosophically don't like the draft. Um, you know what okay it's like for me it's like an experience at buffalo wild wings okay you walk into b-dubs there's just something about the colors the the tv screens everywhere the smell of the barbecue (laughs) i'm just like this is great this is gonna be a good day i'm gonna have a draft it's gonna be fun it's gonna be great you sit down the game's on you're having a good time and then you wait to get your food order taken it's a long time it is and then it takes an additionally much much longer time to get your food and then your food comes it's not super hot and <laughs> it's fine, yeah, it's all right. but it's not special because it's B-dubs. It's what it is. And then you leave and your stomach hurts. And it's like, that's what the draft is. You wait and wait and wait. It's not nearly as glossy as it seems like when you first walk in. And then you're not necessarily happy with what you get. That is the perfect analogy. It that Especially for last year, that's really the perfect analogy from last year. Like <laughs> you, you, you really wanted some, some hot uh, traditional sauce and, they brought over some mild barbecue and then and then some Asian zing and then some other junk that you <laughs> didn't have any interest in. Um, yeah, that, that, I like it. That's perfect. Um, <laughs> it's fun. It's it's very exciting. The NFL, really, this is, the I think, the real example of why they're the kings of marketing their sport. And you, know, you have baseball across the way, like deadening the ball, not fixing their strikeout <laughs> problem, not, not responding to what fans don't like at all. And then the NFL, like, they have they have a show where you just like pick guys and it goes on for three days and it's it's super fun and it's it's ridiculous but it really is a good time like I, I do have a good time with the draft just it, it's 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 really a weird cultural event that they've managed to put together here good good for them the NFL are geniuses even if I don't always like what they do with their genius entire cottage industry has been born out of this with Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay. I mean, there are actual draft celebrities and there's moments. I mean, the idea that we can like rattle off some great draft moments in, in literally a (laughs) format where people's names are read off of cards that should tell you what the NFL is good at. And that is creating, creating events, creating pseudo events. And I hope it's in green Bay in a few years. Cause that yeah. will be it. That will be awesome. There will be a lot of content for it that. It will be so awesome. You know, for, for the mini pod that I put out yesterday, I, 
I included the second instance of the Vikings missing their pick as just the closer music on that. And I pulled that off of a top 10 drafts moment. And I, I watched that whole damn thing. It was riveting from start to finish. <laughs> it absolutely was. It was just fantastic. From the Jets booing people to Donovan McNabb getting booed for being picked over Ricky Williams to Ricky Williams, the whole thing itself. It, it was just totally fascinating from start to finish. It, just outstanding. I've seen a couple clips of Marv uh, Trev over Trev Alberts. Oh yeah, Mel yep. Kiper getting into a fight with is it Jim Irsay? Jim, Who's uh, the... I don't think it was Jim Irsay. I think it was the the GM before Jim Irsay. Yeah, yeah, uh, Ballard maybe. I don't remember, ah. but like the Colts GM going after Mel Kiper because Mel Kiper criticizes Trev Alberts' pick, and it was probably not the right pick. But he, the guy he was advocating for was Trent Dilfer, so it feels really funny. <laughs> it's like guys, in a few years, this is going to be totally Bill moving. Tobin. Bill Tobin. That's Bill right. Tobin. Yes, yes. Oh man, great, great, great theater, great theater. That was Laramie part of the top Tunsil. ten. I just watched it. So, <laughs> yes, yes, we're gonna have some theater too because I'm sure everyone. Because, uh, well, in my perfect world, Justin Fields drops to number twenty nine, and the Packers are left staring at oh, what man. they should be doing. <laughs> I want that level of theater. I don't think so we're good. gonna get it. We're not gonna That's... get that. He's not gonna. Get... If he's there for the Bears, they'll take him. So yes. Um... I don't. I'm a little scared of that one. So uh, I hope that doesn't happen. I want. Uh, I want Kyle Trask on the Bears so bad. Uh, he's the worst of this group, and it would just invite so many Rex Grossman comparisons. That it would be fantastic. That's what I'm. Yeah, I'm going to be completely selfish about the Justin Fields thing. I think he's great, I and I think too. he will be good in the NFL. And I obviously, as a Packers per- perspective, do not want the Bears to have him. But I have already composed for JSOnline.com a a list as it comes up every so often of all the quarterbacks that the Bears have had in the Favre Rogers era, and I plan on trop- trotting it out. I'm very excited oh, about it. When you do that, so okay, d- just for I've I've been working on a song about that called Yes, like. It's called 88 Lines About 44 Quarterbacks to Play Between Brett Favre and the Present for the Bears or something like that. So Sure. Uh, yeah. That's very pithy. Uh, yes, yeah, I, I just need a peg. So if they draft a quarterback, I can drop it right away. I'm going to get to it. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I'm calling it a dunk piece. Granted, everyone, is. this has been written 20 times before. Like, hey, look at the list. It's like, oh, here's the updated one. We got Andy <laughs> Dalton. We got a new draft pick. It's going to be great. Uh, so that's coming and I just, I just want it selfishly. I think about everything for the content. So absolutely. That's, that's I, I have so many things ready to go. If the bears draft a bad quarterback, just for the same reason, um, that the Broncos just pull the bears because they still need a quarterback, but they traded for Teddy Bridgewater and, um, the, the most bears thing ever would be, we'll, we'll pay this guy a bunch of money and then we'll use our draft capital and probably trade up to get a guy to compete with him and then have them both be bad. That is, that is the dream and hope for the bears. But fortunately, we don't root for the Bears because we're better than that. We root for the Packers. So it's true. We can we can start with that. Um, Let's get to it, baby. So um, I, I actually I wrote a piece today for the old Acme Packing Company about um, what I think their overarching philosophy and strategy was last year because people don't like last year's draft for a lot of good reasons um it it seems weird and disjointed and incoherent and they picked a running back high and then they picked josiah de guerra who's like a halfback fullback h-back not not halfback uh fullback tight end (laughs) um but i think the lens to view the packers through is that they like to go heavy like their, their base personnel is 12 personnel and two receivers um two tight ends one running back or all sometimes two running backs, but they don't use as many receivers. Like they're like the 49ers. They use big guys and a couple receivers. 
And, you know, they, we all wanted him to take a receiver last year, but they don't have that many receivers on the field most of the time. And viewed through that lens, it makes a lot more sense because a guy like um, A.J. Dillon, a giant athlete, is more valuable to them than he is to, like, Sean McVay, uh, a team that always runs 11 personnel and likes to go light. And Josiah DeGuerra, if you get a Kyle Juszczyk, is more valuable to them than he is to anybody else who doesn't use that position at all. So I kind of get it, and I think this year... The thing to keep an eye on them for is big guys. Um, there's a lot of people that fit their mold. Like, if you look at the Packer receivers, they're all giants. Alan Lazard's a huge, giant man. And Devin Funches, who didn't play last year because he opted out, um, but they signed him, is also a huge giant. They're all 6'4", 6'5", wide receivers. Even MVS is like a 6'3 giant wide receiver. They like that. And uh, the 49ers have have that giant guy, too, and Jalen Hur- Jalen Hurd. And if you look at his comps on mock draftables, it's Equinemius St. Brown and Alan Lazard. Those are the two. So I, I think they compete with the 49ers for a lot of similar guys. So um, I, I think on offense, that's kind of what they're going to be going for is the guys that fit well with big personnel. And if they do anything different than that, I'll be kind of shocked, other than Tyler Irvins, because they need a few Tyler Irvins, too. Um <laughs> that, that's what I, that's what i'm looking for so yeah so so to make your point they 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 do pick the best player available they do it's they just absolutely the best do. player available according to their rubric which might be different than than what the you know what any pundit is saying and you know it's easy to say well this guy was taken in the third round he, they probably could have gotten him in the fifth round well also a team could trade up in the fourth round to get him and the packers don't pick again until the late fourth round right so like they're thinking about the next 35 picks or whatever it is in some cases when you're taking a guy like Dubara. exactly so, and it's a guy they absolutely have zeroed in on we must have him and you know what's the point of taking a, a mid-level linebacker that you're just not comfortable with when you could take the guy you want now and maybe you don't get him in 35 picks or whatever so exactly uh, so yeah the other thing is they they are not competing with most of the league for the same guys on that philosophy but they are competing with some people like the 49ers like are, Shanahan Shanahan's a direct competitor but i'm guessing that the Ravens board is pretty similar to their board too i'm guessing the Bills board is probably pretty similar too so th- there's some teams out there that are similar enough that they would find value in some of those guys too. So uh, when they, when they seem to reach, it's not necessarily that, that they're competing with like the Vikings, but they got if they want a guy, they have to get him before the 49ers get him. And I, I suspect that Brandon Ayuk was that guy last year, and that didn't happen. The 49ers jumped ahead of them by trading with the Vikings and did that. So um, it may look weird, but they know. I think they do kind of know what they're doing, even if we don't necessarily agree with with it in a perfect economic way. But whatever, it's fine. But this plays into the the big thing that I think most fans are zeroed in on, and that is getting Aaron Rodgers, quote unquote, weapons, specifically receivers. And in the first round, this team over the course of history has been very hesitant to take a receiver. We all know this. No secret. I I see a lot of mock drafts with guys like Kadarius Toney or Elijah Moore from Ole Miss, both guys that could be pretty effective slot receivers, could be effective in sweeps, jets, you know, like. They're they're interesting. They're weapons. These are not big guys. And what you're saying is this team is going to go after big guys. I, you know, Rashad Bateman is bigger. I don't know if he's, you know, big, big, but he's bigger. So maybe that's a potential. But I still like every a lot of people keep saying they're going to try to get a receiver in the first round. And I just don't see it. I don't see the guy there that's gonna, that they're going to take at 29. I, I actually agree with you. I, I think Tony does make some sense as sort of that jet sweep Debo Samuel type guy. But uh, first of all, I think he'll go earlier than that. I just have a hunch on that. And uh, it, it 
I don't know. Uh, it, it, I think you can get him later, too. He's a tough spot. Uh, if they trade back, I think he really comes into play a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I do like Tony for that reason. But I think they'll go defense just because this off this is a draft that where offense is projected to go high. Uh, I've seen a lot of mocks where it's like the first 10 picks and like 13 of the first 15 picks uh, with Patrick Sertan and uh, well, yeah, one other defensive player being the, the exceptions to it. And so you should be able to get quality defensive players at their spot. Um, just because they're going to get pushed down, and I, I think they'll do that. I think they'll if they don't go corner with their first pick, I'll be kind of surprised. Or defensive tackle, I think that's what they're likely to do. And this is a deep receiver draft. Uh, last year was n- more top heavy. There was, it was still pretty deep, but this is super deep. You can get good guys in the third and fourth round here pretty easily. So I, I agree with that. Tony wouldn't surprise me, um, but I, I think that they'll go defense. I'll be shocked if they don't. If they go defense, defensive line, like you just said, it sounds like there's really just one guy that has sort of that first round grade, that being Christian Barmore from Alabama. Yeah, it sounds like if he's gone, that really and Barmore isn't even a surefire first round. Definitely pick. not. He's a tweener for sure. So that that that's what gives me pause is that there may not be that guy. You know. It, defensive linemen frequently at a premium and then you get teams reaching awfully early. And I just, I I know that's not how the Packers are going to operate. So, so for me, I I think it is more cornerback, you know, like that's, that's the obvious need. I mean, I could, I guess there's a scenario where they take like a a Zayvon Collins, they take a linebacker who's, who's still there on the board and and maybe falls to them surprisingly. But, uh, but man, I, I don't, I, I, it's a, it's a bad linebacker class too. It it really Mm -hmm. is on the defensive side corner heavy and and defensive line heavy and edge rushers are not good in this draft it's a it's a rough one to need one there so i, I don't think they'll go there um off ball linebacker i don't think they'll go just because they really don't seem to value it um still to this day um but i, I if i had to bet on a single player it would probably be greg newsome that would be my my bet for first round pick yeah if he's there if he's not there. the son he might of not greg be there. like he's mocked in the low 20s but my th- my working theory is that guys who are mocked in the low 20s are more likely to fall than they normally are because of offense going so high. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And, and he's got a little injury history. He so does. that that plays into it, too. So does Caleb Farley, the guy from Virginia Tech. Boy, he's does he a, have an injury history. Yeah, he's got guy. a lot of injury history. He's got he's got back problems, man. Yep. And uh, I I would be surprised if the Packers take that risk because I think they're pretty conservative on the medical front. Uh, <laughs> the ghost of Justin Harrell lives on. In yes, this as they should be. Derek Sherrod. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Derek Sherrod in all, in all. Yes, that was catastrophic. You're right. That was. Not it, well, yeah. They could not have seen that coming, but still, uh, the, you know, they don't want to make that mistake and, and they haven't, I mean, you don't have to go back very far. Who's the guy who fell to the second round miles, Jack, who had the, uh, crazy injury situation. They just, they just don't do that. Nope. So, so yeah, I would be surprised if it is Farley. I would be surprised. Uh, I would not be surprised, but Greg Newsom, his is less, you know, less injury history there. Yep. Northwestern, Big Ten guy, not related to Craig Newsom. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I guarantee people are going to be asking that question. That's one thing I'm going to definitely need in my SEO as uh, one if the Packers oh, make that man. pick. Like the headline is just going to be, nope, that's not Craig Newsom's kid. So. Uh, <laughs> I know there are going to be people looking, especially given this class where everybody is somebody's kid. So I know we've got Asante Samuel. Yes. There's so many second generation people making us feel old. Uh, Blake Pearl. uh, His dad is the worst receiver in tech mobile. So (laughs) I can't believe I, I can't believe it. Uh, What's the other guy, the up Joe Horn, Joe Horn's kid is in this draft. Is that JC Horn? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Is Kadarius Tony's dad famous? 
I think he did play, but I can't remember in what capacity. Yeah. A lot of, lot of people making us feel old, Paul. We're so old now. <laughs> so you think it's going to be cornerback. What's, what's, uh, what's number two on, on your list? If, if, you know, they don't like any of the CBs that are there, what's next? Um, I, I, I think possibly defensive tackle, but, um, after if they're if they don't go there it it does depend i think on what receivers are there in existence because there could be some that they take um but uh, interior linemen uh, they're better late too I it's tough if there's not a cornerback there i think it comes down to indi- individual person more at that point um and it, i don't know, it's hard to imagine it so the, the one thing i think they might do that surprise people is go tight end because they this is not a good tight end draft after Kyle Pitts, who's awesome. But um, they like tight ends so much. And uh, even though Bob did good last year, I think they're still not happy with what they have there. So um, I don't think it'll go first round. But I do think a guy to keep an eye on is Pat Freermouth from Penn State, who his name I don't know how to say. Um, but he's like a mid-second guy. And I, I think he'll be the best tight end. On the- he also has no Raz because he didn't work out on that. But um, I think that he is on their radar, and I won't be surprised if he lands there and people are ticked off about it. So he's my, uh, if people are mad at the Packers, which is always a huge possibility, um, that's what will have happened, Uh, especially if they trade back. And I think trading back is also a huge possibility, which is good because I love my trade back gif more than anything else in the world. Trade back. Trade back. I love it. It's also my favorite thing. I think there is a really good chance that this is 2017 and we wait up till the wee hours of, you know, morning it's not that late but it feels like it and then the packers trade out of that spot and we never see a pick and there's no news yes now here's the argument for receiver it's out there and it's a good one the it's not just that the packers are gonna be losing some of their top receivers in the next (laughs) two years they're gonna lose every single one paul they're all coming up on contract situations so that would be a pretty good argument for a team that constantly drafts for year two, year three, year four. I mean, that's no surprise. That's their MO that they can afford it. Um, that would be a good, good reason to take a receiver high because you need a, an elite playmaker. They're pro they're going to resign Devonte Adams. I think we all, we all feel this way. We all know it. Uh, but you're going to need a number two when everybody else is, you know, going somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, we've, we've mentioned this a few times, but um, the only receiver they even have kind of under contract in 2022 is Alan Lazard. Who's a restricted free agent then. So yeah. not even that. But yeah, I think that everybody expects they'll resign Devonte Adams, myself included. Just if first, he's awesome, but also for cap reasons, they kind of have to. Like, it would be so stupid not to. Um, that uh, it would be unbelievable. But they need to get like multiple receivers out of this draft. Um, and so if they don't go first round, uh, even if they do go first round, they really need to get a couple just to fill out the room. It's 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 a light room. So. Um, that's one of the big reasons that this may still happen in the first round. It's it's just kind of a matter of who ends up being there because, again, it's a deep draft, but there are a few guys up high, like Jamar Chase is super awesome. He'll go, like, top 10. Um, and after that, you get into the depth where guys are kind of not all the same, but similar, like Rashad Bateman and Terrence Mar- Terrace Marshall and Elijah Moore and Kadarius Toney are, are all pretty similar prospects. And if any of them are there, I wouldn't be surprised if they take any of them. So um, I, I think that's very possible. And even if um, I think they'll be able to get similar depth, or similar quality in the second round, too. So um, those are all very pop. There's so many good receivers in this draft. It's nuts. By the way, my my personal favorite, who is uh, kind of got a second round grade on here, 
um, is Diami Brown, who has been a a rap or a raps superstar for a couple of years and is like mm. the most productive guy in college over the last two years and put up a pretty good um, RAS as well. So it's good to see both of those cool. things. And of course, the other thing is, is the offensive line with David Bakhtiari injured. You know, they're not going to make decisions on the short term issue there, yeah. but they also lost Corey Lindsley. So uh, you've got some guys like Alex Leatherwood, who is pretty, I think, a guy who could play multiple spots, yeah. you know, Liam Eikenberg at Notre Dame, Sam Cosme from Texas, I think is kind of a tackle, but those are, those are a few of the guys that come up there. I, I don't feel it. I don't feel like offensive line is where they're going to go because I'm sure they'll address it. Just not at the top, but I, I could be, I could be wrong. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess it depends how concerned they are that Bakhtiari can't come back at any point in the season, but I can't imagine that's really their concern at this point. Yeah. I don't really get their linemen. I would, I would. I'm always tempted to say they're not going to do it early because they're so good at doing it late. Uh, like they got Runyon last year, so who turned true. out to be pretty good. Their but, entire offensive line, like Elton Jenkins, wasn't a bonus baby, and and he's one of the best offensive linemen in football in two years. Well, he was a second rounder, wasn't he? Yeah. Yes. But I'm saying like, well, I guess late first rounder, second <laughs> is pro- roughly the same thing. Yes, but even he feels underrated now based on what he's turned out to be. That's true. He does. So, um, I, but I do think they could kind of grab one anywhere, but, uh, yeah, a first round would be a very big surprise. I think uh, anything, anytime after the first round, uh, but I really do think they are a, a not slave, but they really go for best player available. And I think that makes them very hard to predict in the first round because in the first round, any position can still be there. You know, the, the, the depth of positions really starts to impact you in the third, fourth, fifth round when, when that's when you're you're hitting those sort of middle tier guys who are kind of the same as higher second round guys and like tight end in the third round is going to be just nothing left. Um, but first round, it's kind of anybody's guess. It's so hard to predict the Packers there. I mean, we didn't think quarterback at all last year, and that's what happened. So um, honestly, who knows? But I agree with you. If they go offensive line, I'll be shocked. It's because they love the guy. If that's what happens there, and I I do like Leatherwood a lot. He I think he's really really good. Um, if he happened to fall there, I think that would be possible. But there's guys late that I think they can get that will be good contributors as well. It's not a weakness for them either. I mean, you need depth everywhere, but they're in good shape there. My colleague Pete Doherty uh, was participated in the USA Today mock draft. He selected Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa, a linebacker <laughs> from Notre Dame. There are a few names in here. Uh, oh I man, think this Levi, is a painful uh, one. Even... Yeah, there are a few names in here that are going to make it really difficult to uh to pronounce when 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 uh Kamish gets on the podium there but uh yeah i, I especially obusu koromoa like oh what a great tackle by obusu koromoa and then <laughs> you know the next play has started the packers are also going to end up with josh Imatorbebe at some point oh you know draft, they are so. big big uh, receiver there you go and, and late as well so um th- that's a good one too there, there's lots of tough names in this one so Should be- who's the northwestern receiver that guy was a, that guy's a baller but i can't I to uh because of the ch I'll never say I'll I'll I'm oh, not even gonna try it. I got my list up, but I I don't have the names. I I shoot. <laughs> Shoot out. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. You know what? They're just gonna get Jamin Davis, and it'll be super easy. <laughs> we'll, I we'll, hope so. No just concern. Keep this simple. Um, yes. Yeah. The the guy I hope that they do get that I've been talking up all um all off season is um. Uh, shoot, uh, is Nico Collins from Michigan who opted out in sure. 2020? Yeah. Um, who is like prototypical Packer receiver, 6'4, huge guy, um, outstanding, um, 9.5 Raz, and 
in his last year that he played for Michigan, and keep in mind Michigan sucks on offense. Um, they just have no good i no good ideas, no identity. Um, Old timey Jim Harbaugh football. Uh, he was essentially the most productive receiver in football, and then opted out last year. Uh, I'm actually I'm really interested to see how the opt out guys fare, and if they do kind of fall down the charts a little bit for lack of toughness or any nonsense like that. Um, you might be able to get some value with those kind of guys, and I think Nico Collins is one of those. Uh, I think had he played in 2020 and put up the same stats he did in 2019, we'd be talking about him as a first-rounder for sure, and I think he'll be available in the third, possibly later. And you alluded to this, but you think maybe in the second round, because they love them some tight ends and they there do. aren't a lot of good ones available, you've got, you've got a theory on maybe, maybe one of the guys that they'd be looking at that, that second-round pick with number 62 on Friday night. Is that uh, is that Pat Fryermouth? Yes, uh, I didn't know how to say his name, I, so I, I wanted don't. you to say it. <laughs> I'm going to go with Fryermouth, but I I don't know. Fryermouth might be Fryermouth, but Freermuth? I don't know. It's a bet. So uh, he fails the name test because it's. We pretty... definitely should have looked up the pronunciations. There are so many names, but we should have just looked them up. <laughs> they really. Somebody needs to write a guide of the phonetic pronunciations of. All I'm sure guys. someone has. We just didn't seek it out. Yeah. Um, I, I do think that they will get another tight end at some point and uh, I think he is a good candidate for a couple reasons one of which is um, he doesn't have an uh, he doesn't have a relative athletic score meaning he didn't do a a workout that was measurable um, that's going to take him off of some boards but he, in terms of judging his athletic ability his tape's good and honestly most teams are now doing their combine work on tape measurements of speed and agility and things like that uh, Honestly, the combine's for us more than it is for teams. I don't, teams want guys to show up there and do a good job, show that they stayed in shape, and you know they'll use those measurements as part of giant spreadsheets like we all do. But they have all this game tape, and they can break it down frame by frame and do timing off of that and figure out your football speed. And so it doesn't really matter. As long as a guy knows he's good, it doesn't hurt him that much to miss the combine. So um, uh, I think he will be off some radars, and the Packers just value tight ends so much more with the 49ers than a lot of other teams that they're going to take one kind of every year. They need to keep the, the flow going there and it takes time to develop these guys. So you don't even know if tight end's going to be good for two or three years. It's the slowest developing position on the team. They never work out, well, rarely work out the first year. Um, and I, I think it's a very, very high probability they take a tight end in, in the top three rounds. Um, is he the guy you think, if there's a guy in this draft that the Packers take at 29 that causes everyone to freak out, the Rashawn Gary award. Yeah. Uh, could, could that be it? Could you know, be, could they... That would be a reach for him. If they, I mean, if they do that, I'll be super mad and also say, I told you so. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you won't be that mad. He's... There'll be a little part of you. That's like, yeah, I saw that. Correct. Uh, he's, he's mocked like mid second. So it's not impossible. Like it's certainly something they could do. I think on their board, he'll be higher than on most other boards and in that range i think it's definitely a possibility but uh, if that's the case if he were to fall to them that's a sign that they should trade back um get an extra pick and then grab him in the middle of the second somewhere but it's possible it's totally possible it would be a huge reach but they they did that last year many times over for the same mm -hmm. reason i would just love to know and i've said this before i would love to know how much effort and energy is spent on the calculus of where what you could do to maneuver into the draft to get somebody in 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 the range that they're supposed to like go quote unquote go you know uh how much energy is spent on well we want this guy he's our guy but 
he really we really could do better at this position according to what what our intel says you know do they do they run a million mock drafts and figure it out you know do they do they read all these mock drafts to get a sense of where the consensus is because obviously that serves them to a very small degree if one team you know if one team wants the guy they're going to take him so i would just love to know what what energy they spend on that, if anything at all, to figure out where a guy is supposed to, you know, go, supposedly. I think it's all over the map. Uh, I think NFL teams, so all baseball teams are pretty smart at this point. Like, they all have huge analytics departments and do that kind of work all the time. And football, I, I think, is literally all over the map. I think some teams do a ton of simulations to figure that out um, and have a very sophisticated... The, the Jimmy Johnson, like, draft pick trade chart is very outdated. There's a lot of analytics people on... Twitter today, um, giving out their updated ones. Aaron Chats tweeted, "We did this in 2008, and that one's old now. But that's how you know that's 13 years ago. The Jimmy Johnson chart was outdated when that came out. Now there's more sophisticated ones, just because of positional value, um, and everybody has a different idea of which positions are valuable. You look at the Giants and Dave Gettleman, who you know is still still in love with the Saquon Barkley pick and thinks running backs are fine and can lead you to a championship and there's a bunch of teams that don't agree with that and would never make a deal like the Giants couldn't consummate a deal with them because they value picks so so differently. Um, and I, I think they put a lot of effort into this. Like this is the wheelhouse of analytics people. This is this is market trading. <laughs> this is essentially <laughs> building building stock bots to work the draft. And uh, I guarantee that like two thirds of the teams have you know ten thousand draft simulation boards going up to give them an idea of where people are likely to be uh, uh, brian burke for espn does the very same thing so um teams will put more resources to it than espn will and that's what they do is there anybody in this draft late especially among the guys that are mocked in, in the packers neck of the woods here in the first round that if they take them you will you will not be happy you will feel like they wasted their pick hmm. uh it, this is hmm. There definitely are those guys, but they're mostly running backs or inside linebackers. And I was going to say Najee Harris would be a Na- guy that Najee Harris are not would be about. one of them, but I don't think they'll do it. So uh, this is a problem of me. I never consider like those kinds of things. Like I never considered AJ Dillon last year, and that's a mistake by me because they or do Rashawn Gary. How about that one? But, so, but Rashawn Gary. Well, I didn't care for the pick on a personal level. He plays a position of value, and uh, like I, I see, I saw what they were going for with it. He's a super great athlete. He's like the best athlete of the class. So I, I didn't like the pick, but I thought I would rather pick a guy who produced more in college. But it was defensible. It was a position of need, kind of, in a position of high value, and a guy where you don't find a guy that talented very often. So I, I, that's a different thing. For me, it's really position based, and I've really, like even from last year, I've come around on like the Jordan Love pick because. I'm kind of always okay with quarterback picks. They're so valuable. If you get a good quarterback, your team is good for 10 years. That's worth just way more than anything else in in football. (laughs) So it's really, for me, it's running back and um, most inside linebackers. Some are game changers, though. That that actually does happen sometimes. If they got Levante David out of the pick, I'd be okay with that. Um, So really, it's just running back. If you pick a running back with that pick, then I'll be pissed off. You, it's difficult to evaluate linemen, offensive, defensive linemen, not a lot of quantifiable ways of looking at it. You kind of have to be in the room, yep. but there is a name that you like uh, based on RAS score that uh, isn't going to be a first round guy, but somebody that the Packers might go after in the third round, potentially. Tell, tell me, tell me about your big fella. Uh, Jonathan Marshall, who is a good name for lawyers as well. Um, it, it's been, <laughs> he, he has a super good RAS. He's been mocked in 
uh, the middle of the third round. And I'll tell you, one of the reasons I like him is I've been writing a lot about Felipe Franks lately. Um, my numbers p- uh, pick him out as a potentially good quarterback prospect. That's um, not Bubba Franks' kid, is it? It is not at all. Not even close. <laughs> uh, he, okay. Felipe Franks is a super interesting guy. And I've written way too many pieces on him now at this point. But wait, he uh, went to Florida just like Bubba. He went to Florida. Um, he he was he transferred to Arkansas after he was ineffective. He got hurt, and then he lost his job to Kyle Trask. Um, but there, there's a lot that went into Kyle uh, Felipe Franks's career in college, sort of falling apart and then rebounding. And he's he's actually a really good story. Um, but I watched a lot of his tape because he showed up on my stat sheet as somebody who is better than his draft profile has made him out to be. And while looking at Arkansas tape, because I normally would never watch Arkansas, other than you know this specific player, um, Marshall stood out quite a bit. And uh, he's a great Raz, and his, he didn't show up in the stat sheet very well. Um, part of that, though, is the same a problem that Franks had, where Arkansas is just bad. So um, you know, if you're a bad, if you're a defensive player that's good on a defense that's bad, you get double teamed. You don't have players opening up holes for you. He was in the backfield a lot and just didn't get to finish for a lot of reasons. But I think he's way better than his numbers indicate. He's super athletic, and I like that guy a lot. Yeah, Bubba Franks went to Miami. I did that yes, wrong. Yes, yes, he was, did. I was, I was just looking it up. <laughs> I was picturing him in a Gators uniform. I don't know why, but, I, you know, I, I double-checked because it didn't sound right to me. So, uh, sorry, Bubba. Same state. Close, yep. right? Close enough. Uh, offensive linemen, you know, you already said that they're probably going to go later rounds, or at least that is what they have done traditionally, and it has worked for them to great effect. You have Cole Van Landon on your list. He's good. Uh, yeah, he is good, and he's – you know, I think he maybe would have gone higher if he'd come out a year earlier. I think so too. Uh, but uh, but unfortunately, there aren't really many bad Badgers that are going to be talked about. There may not be any Badgers taken on day two even of the draft. Uh, Rashad Wild Goose, maybe Cole Van, Lan- you know, Cole Van Landen. I don't know, maybe Mason Stockies in there, but uh, it's going to be a quiet quiet draft for Badgers. But you think Cole Van Landen could uh, could be a player, huh? I think he's better than a lot of the sort of the idea about him is as well his raz is pretty good but aside from that like aside from being a good athlete i think this is not a great wisconsin team and a lot of what you show to the casual fan on tape in college is based on the people around you and this has been a not a great offensive line for wisconsin but he's the best and of that group and i think with better people around him he'll he will he'll appear to be a normal wisconsin offensive lineman um cool yeah so I think he is a good bargain at where he's likely to go. I think he'll be a day three pick, which is too bad for him. I think on older, better Wisconsin teams, he probably would have shot up the charts a little bit more. But he's good. I'm a fan of his, and I hope that the Packers end up taking him because I always like when they get Wisconsin people. Yes, I as well. You've written the name Jeff Janis on the rundown. I and did. That seems like it should be concerning. What What's this business? So one of the – this will be a great story. If – Probably won't end up with the Packers, but really, really hope he does. This is Jacob Harris. And um, Jacob Harris is a wide receiver slash tight end um, who has the... So, Kentley Platt, who did Raz, has been keeping it, I think, since... Not since, but has records going back to, like, 1991-ish. And in that time, Jacob Harris has the 12th best Raz ever for a wide receiver. Um, So... Like Jeff Janis, he is like the greatest athlete that has kind of ever played the position. <laughs> oh my god! But 
like Jeff Janis, he is extremely raw and essentially completely inexperienced at playing football. <laughs> um, more inexperienced than Jeff Janis, more along the lines of, do you remember when Moritz Boringer was in the draft? The guy who played I absolutely German do football? not. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. The, I, yes, I do. The, the, term, okay. the guy who played for like the German Football League, who was also a super great athlete. Yes. Jacob Harris, yeah. is. he goes to uh, Central Florida, I think. That's that right. Yeah. Got it, um, yeah. And... So he's he, he was a soccer player. And he was a soccer player in high school. He played like one year of safety in high school. And Dude, six five two eleven soccer player. Yes. I would I'd be terrified. Which is just terrifying, right? <laughs> um, so he's a he's a giant, super fast, super agile guy. And here's the thing about Jacob Harris that's crazy though. Um, I, I I do my my ROPS stat, which just tells you whether a guy was productive playing the position or not. That's all it does. And he was actually really, really productive, kind of just running slot routes and deep routes and nothing else, um, way more than any inexperienced player should be in Division One college football. So um, while he's super raw, while he has no route tree experience at all, he's he'll, he'll always be the most athletic guy on the team and seemed to take to football pretty quickly. So the ceiling on him is super high. He's, he's shown the ability to be coached up and uh, pick up the game fast. And even if he's not... He should be just a dynamite special teams player um, right out of the gate. That's mostly just hustle and athleticism, and he's got that and has already shown he can do that. So um, he would be a fan favorite instantly on the Packers. (laughs) He won't go until the sixth or seventh round if he goes at all, and uh, he is literally the most athletic person in this entire draft, and uh, according to Relative Athletic Score, the 12th most athletic receiver of all time. Jacob Harris, remember that name, yep. dude. If they get him in the sixth or seventh round, I'm going to scream at the TV. I'll we'll, be so we'll have a, we'll, we'll all be high fiving on our end if that happens. <laughs> I'm, I'm here for this happening. I love that guy. He can uh, six five. He can fly and he can do bicycle kicks. That's uh, that's quite the skill set. Mm-hmm. So uh, we talked briefly at the top about the Bears. Um, we love we love talking about the Bears. They they have the twentieth pick. You think Mac Jones could fall all the way to twenty? That would be quite the fall. It would. Uh, I I think Mac Jones has the most smoke screens around him. the The big rumor was always or has been that he'll go to the Forty ers at three, but he doesn't fit that <laughs> system at all. And remember the last time in two thousand five when someone thought there was a quarterback going to the Forty ers right away. Uh huh. I, I seem to recall that a little bit. Uh, Mac Jones is a weird prospect. He he. So all of the quarterbacks. I love this quarterback class, by the way. It's super fun to talk about. They all have like a glaring flaw that is different than every other quarterback in the class, and it's, <laughs> cool. it's super great. Uh, and Mac Jones is statistically like the most accurate college passer of all time. He that his stats are off the charts good. He was amazing at locating the ball, but yet, but but there's a lot of questions about him. He had also like the best supporting talent of anybody else in this draft. And while he hit them in stride, he has great on target percentage. Um, he is not athletic. He is one of the least athletic looking people ever to play the sport. Um, it, it's somebody described him today as looking like a Lego man. And once, <laughs> once you see it, um, Lego man next to Mac Jones, you can't really unsee it. It's kind of true. Now, what you look like doesn't matter. Like we learned from Moneyball, we don't we don't pay people based on how they sell blue jeans. But uh, and his his RAS to his credits not bad for a guy who looks like an unathletic goober. He is actually fairly athletic. Um, but he was very very bad on the move. He is a statue. He's good from the pocket, but he's not good out of the pocket. Shanahan runs a lot of bootlegs and stuff like that. So if you get Mac Jones, you got to have an offense that can protect him 
and make him uh, make him comfortable in the pocket the whole time. Uh, so I don't know if that's really in that much demand amongst all the teams drafting, and that's why I think he might actually be the plummeter. Um, it, there's a lot of like, there's f- five or six first round quarterbacks here. Somebody's going to plummet. It's just a matter of you know who actually fits and doesn't fit in the various people drafting quarterbacks. And I think Jones is a good possibility to fall. He's also got a DUI to his name, and he's a bit of a he's a bit of a redneck goober. Not that that's always a bad thing. We have Brett Favre, obviously, that worked out fine. But uh, he he uh, he's got some baggage too that might turn off a few teams. Mm. It's hard to go from throwing to the great Jerry Judy and Devontae Smith. <laughs> Jerry Judy. And, uh, yeah, he's uh, he wouldn't have that talent in Chicago. <laughs> but, uh, well, he would have Allen Robinson. So he I would. Don't know. Not bad. That that would work. That would be okay. Yeah. Um, I wanted oh, – there was one other thing I wanted to ask you about. About Oh, um, let's check in real quick before we take questions on the Jordan love of it all. Um <laughs> That that continues to come up. Of course, it's uh, it seems to be hovering over everything. And Brian Gutekunst sort of last week kind of I think put a little bit of a kibosh on it, suggesting that you know Aaron Rodgers for the foreseeable future, the word is exactly foreseeable, <laughs> uh, will be our quarterback. You know, I do think, and we've alluded to this and mentioned this. I think people underestimate that the Green Bay Packers might actually be willing to just punt on Jordan Love, not not for any reason that he uh, not Jordan Love's fault. But like, just because he's the first round draft pick doesn't mean that is the path that the Green Bay Packers are definitely going to take. And I still think he's in their plans or could be in their plans. And, you know, I don't think that I don't think you're guaranteed to see Aaron Rodgers necessarily in 2022 or 2023 or anything like that. But like they could they could say, yeah, OK, we don't need him. I mean, that that is a possibility. It is. And it's it's just the 20th pick. Like, I know that's a that's a big piece of draft capital. But that's over and done with. This team is is a, an NFC championship contender, whether or not they say we we screwed up on that pick or we just didn't end up using that pick. Like they could do that. Yeah, they could, and that is in, entirely possible. I, I think they will be honest evaluators of Jordan Love, and if he's good, they may make a different decision on Rodgers than if he's not good. But I don't think they're gonna do this like sunk cost fallacy thing that a lot of teams do where we spent a first rounder on him. So we're just right. going to go to him automatically. And that's, that's good. That's how you should deal with quarterback. Um, uh, I've written a lot about how you can't really have too many quarterbacks. So you should be willing to bring them in and evaluate them. And you know, if you get a good one, that's the time to move on. But you don't just decide with no information with, without seeing a guy go through a couple camps that that's a bad idea. And the Packers are, they have a history of this that when they, drafted Aaron Rodgers they didn't just decide to go with Aaron Rodgers right away either they still had Favre um, and they drafted several more quarterbacks while Rodgers was still developing they, they drafted Brian Brown with a second round pick they took Matt Flynn with a with a seventh round pick um, and that may sound stupid to include Matt Flynn but remember Matt Flynn was somebody's heir apparent too <laughs> like Seattle gave gave him a lot of money to not end up playing him because they decided the guy they drafted was better than him so um, they also did not do the sunk cost fallacy in yeah, Seattle th- th- it's a good lesson the Russell Wilson lesson is a good lesson for everybody to learn so um, I wouldn't be surprised if they move Jordan Love I wouldn't be surprised if they keep him around for a couple more years and then decide to go to him I wouldn't be surprised if they draft another quarterback this year or next year to right. compete with him like these are all possibilities and nobody should jump to conclusions because they bring in a quarterback because that's not how we do things anymore uh, that's how bad teams do things, and it's not how the Packers do things. The Packers, um, I totally lost my train of thought. But give me, <laughs> give me a name of a 
give me a name of a quarterback that uh, that you think they could they could potentially bring in. Because because they got ten picks, right? Like they either are going to trade these or they're gonna they're gonna use them. They're gonna take flyers here and there. Yep. I'd be curious to know: is there a QB out there that you think would be pretty pretty cool to have have in the system? Oh, I've mentioned mine already, and and the guy that I think will um, be available to them freely with a sixth or seventh round pick. They should grab Felipe Franks with their last pick in this draft. Absolutely. Um, he, he is as accurate as all the top guys in this draft. And normally when you have a guy going as late as he is likely to go, uh, it's because they lack for um, some, some physical attributes. Like they have Matt Flynn lasted until the, the seventh round because his arm wasn't good. And, you know, he's a smart quarterback. You've seen what Matt Flynn can do with weapons around him just on his brains. But if he plays too long, then guys start to jump his routes. Felipe Franks has the best or second best arm in this draft. The only one who might be better is uh, Trevor Lawrence. He is drafted by the Red Sox. He's a pitcher, um, and his Raz is 9.5. He's fast. He's agile. Um, there aren't really the, the flaws in this game are all mental things that people have shown that they can correct. He's weak under pressure. Um, Justin Herbert had basically the same stats under pressure as him last year in college and turned it around. Um, and some scouts say that he has trouble with his decision making. And I don't like it when I see that criticism from scouts with a guy who is being accurate and producing for a team because when I see decision-making problems, I want them to manifest on the field. I want them to be, oh, he's checking down all the time or he's throwing interceptions or he's throwing late. Um, he's not doing any of that. He, he has a, a great... Uh, every advanced stat agrees that he was one of the most accurate quarterbacks in college football last year. He is under um, under scouted because he plays for Arkansas, which is a bad team that didn't win games. And didn't have a great offense, although they improved, I think, 50 spots from when they didn't have Franks to when they did. And uh, he, he'll be freely available as a very high upside guy. So I, I hope they draft him. I, I don't think they will, but it would, I'll be over the moon if they do. He's my Tyler Huntley for this year. All right, hold on. I'm Googling to make sure that Bubba Franks doesn't have any children named Philippe Pepe. So All right. I can tell you that Felipe Franks' father's name is Don Franks. He is a uh, twenty-eight. Oh he is a twenty-eight-year military veteran, and uh, he is not related to Bubba. I know he does have a. He has a brother who is a professional football player, but it's not uh, Bubba. No. Bubba's only forty-three years old, man. Also, not, Bubba's only forty-three years old. He's not ready to have a college yeah. kid. Although, you know, who knows? There's a lot of. Uh, that is still going to be a headline I write. No, Felipe Franks is not Bubba Franks' child. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got we got questions. Let's do questions. Patreon first, of course. PJ Wessels. Does Matub? Oh, but we don't have Matub. Does Matub think the pack need to draft a long snapper, given a tweet on Monday, which uh, indicated such? I, I, so Matt's not with us today. He had, he had his kids were acting up. He, Matt has a new baby. And uh, when you have two kids, it gets exponentially harder not just double hard so yeah he unfortunately could not make it matt is an expert on the history of long snappers <laughs> being drafted and i would love to answer this question for him but i really can't <laughs> um so um i'll let matt answer it by twitter pj I'll, I'll point it out to you i'll get you on the patreon or something like that but uh it's uh it, long snappers are are super interesting and you know you should train your kid to be one <laughs> And how many? Uh, I like the how many picks will they end up making? They've traded up a lot. Um, however, I I'm gonna stay at ten. I think they'll pick. I think they will both trade up and trade down over the course of the draft. That's what I'm gonna go with ten. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, my concern with drafting a long snapper is the same as anybody who has one job. If you waste a pick on someone and they can't do their one job, you have there's nowhere else for them to go. We don't talk a lot about the Hunter Bradley pick. <laughs> <laughs> no, we but don't. like that ain't working out, you know. <laughs> yeah. J.K. Scott is not really working out, so maybe maybe we don't maybe maybe that doesn't happen. I don't know. The problem with picking a long snapper is that they have to be good. Because yes. it's it's one thing to pick a low value position in the draft. Um, it's another thing to pick a low value position in the draft who then isn't any good. <laughs> that that's that's extra bad, and that's what we've done more most recently. Long snapper, like there's lots of guys who just long snap. Just that's something you should do outside of the draft. Just have open tryouts and see who's good yeah. at it. So. Yeah, that's the UDFA thing. I Matelba would be the good person to ask, like how many how many drafted long snappers turned out to be really good? Because quite honestly, you could be a 15-year long snapper and one of the greatest, you know, the height of your craft. And you know, literally people in your hometown will have no idea who you are. So yep. Matt knows <laughs> so it's Matt does weird. know everything about long snappers. So I will I will defer to him. We'll we'll get we'll get that later. It's important to have niche interests. Yes. Uh Jay Google asks, is cornerback, middle linebacker, or defensive end the biggest defensive need for the Packers? That I mean, it's cornerback for sure. They um, got one. Yeah. They they could stand to improve at those other positions, uh, but they that is their weakness. And it's it's a bad weakness to have in the NFL. It is not the consensus most important defensive position because edge is often up there with it, but it I think it is the most important defensive position. You need so many of them. Like you need at least at least three starting caliber corners to stop passing offenses. It's really hard to have that. It's one of the Buccaneers do have that with Carlton Davis, Sean Murphy Bunting, and uh, I forgot the other cornerback on their team, but he's also oh, Levante good. David. Oh, did you say that? No, Devin he's White. A, he's a linebacker. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Right. I'm completely confused what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, the, the, and the Packers lost because of Kevin King, and um, that's there's not really more to it than that. I mean, th- there are other reasons they had some poor performances in other spots, but if Kevin King plays better for the first half, they probably win that game. And so th- they they have him coming back, and they have Shannon Sullivan coming back, who's also okay but not great. Uh, they really need to improve on corner. That's their biggest need for sure. This is a good draft for that to be the case. There's a lot of good ones, um, but it's it's corner. Everything else is window dressing. They're they're fine at end. It's they're good enough. They're good enough at edge rusher. They're good enough at middle linebacker. Even though they suck at it, um, they need corners. Stop the pass. You really convinced me with a lot of what you wrote at the end of the season about Kevin King and and a little after the season. I mean Kevin King is is super limited and he's he's not an answer as a starting cornerback like he he's gonna have his moments he wasn't awful all season long last year but subterraneanly he wasn't great either he wasn't special and i do think that it's important to remember too that that yes kevin king had a really bad nfc championship game he was hurt in that game and it absolutely impacted what he could do on the field and it, it it did cost them so there's also that to consider but um you know you very much convinced me that that Kevin King is not cannot be the cornerback for a team that goes to the Super Bowl, or it's going to be it's yeah. it's just not going to happen. He's also hurt a lot. It's one of the many problems with Kevin King, and he's not a good fit for this team. Jair is a better zone corner. King is a better man corner, and he's not a great man corner. He's just better at it than zone. And um, I I'm very surprised they brought him back. And, and they're familiar; they know what he can do. But it's it's not a good position. They need to fix that up. Yeah. I like this question from Brian Polakowski. What position will you be most disappointed if the Packers haven't drafted by the end <laughs> of day two? So first th- right now they got three picks in the first two days, 62 and 92 in addition to 29. What position would you be most 
disappointed so if they didn't have I'm it. I'm tempted to go wide receiver, but I actually think they can get enough good wide receivers after day two to be okay. So it, I think it's corner. If they get to the end of day two and they don't have a corner, I'm not going to be that happy with them. They, I don't want to watch the defense with bad corners again. And I think if they don't have receivers, I won't be happy. 2022 will terrify me. But they have shown they can generate enough offense with what they have, and they'll bring Adams back, and you can do a lot of work with that. Um, so it's cornerback. I will also be disappointed if they don't have a receiver, but like they they can make that work on day three. There's enough receivers. Uh, there's enough receiver depth on day three that they'll be okay. Yeah, I am. I in my in my imagination, they've got a cornerback, a receiver, and an edge rusher yeah. through the first three picks. And uh, and who knows if it'll actually be three picks? It could easily be two or four. four. I, I yeah. don't know. Uh, they've they've moved each of the last four drafts. I mean, Gutekus has Gut, Brian Gutekus has never just taken the pick that was given to him. I, I mean, in one draft he did because he had two of them. But like, there's you know, there's always movement on draft. Day. Yeah, I do think that's the sign of a good GM too, because um, you should be moving. Like, if if you stay at your pick, it kind of means you were just waiting for something to happen. Um, if you have a little bit of movement, it means that you have some idea of where value is and isn't, and you actually take that affirmative step. So I do like that out of him, and I, I do think they'll trade back this year. It's still my wager, even though he trades up a lot. Um, but if they don't have a corner, like you want an early corner here. You want a potential star corner. I think that there are potential very good to star wide receivers you can get in like the third, fourth, fifth round in this draft, but corners, not that way. So I really hope they go early. <laughs> Questions from Twitter, Tim Braun, based on the mini pod, who are the guys we can expect the Packers to target or reach for because of fit? That's Pat Freermoth for sure. Um, <laughs> uh, well, or maybe Christian Barmore because he is the only detail. If they decide yeah. that they must have that D tackle, he is the guy. So that's a possibility. I agree with that too. And, and I think that would be a reach and kind of hack everybody off as well. Um, and if they do any running back, it'll make it. They already signed. So, the running back thing, I've basically ignored running back in this draft because if they just signed Aaron Jones to more and they have a second round pick in A.J. Dillon, if they spend any capital at all on a third running back, I, I mean, I, I'm just going to throw my TV through a window. They had two good running backs <laughs> last year, too. And what did they do? Yeah. Situation it, a little bit, but still. So that'll hack me off if that happens. But it, it's 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 a tight end in, in the first or second. That's just, that's not good value. So. With the 29th pick, the Green yeah. Bay Packers select Najee Harris, running no, back no, from no. the University of Alabama. No, no, no. Cannot happen. Yeah, I don't think it will either, so I think we're probably good. Uh, from Scott Hartle, what are the most important and underrated metrics for for non-quarterback positions, for each non-quarterback position? For example, yards of separation for DBs. Do any correlate well to instincts, football IQ for uh, for non-quarterbacks? This is a very involved question. I'll I don't say. know if there may be a couple. <laughs> Hi, Scott. He, he, Scott's my friend. He lives in Austria. Um, he uh, So on receivers and defensive backs, um, everybody tracks separation very closely now. Um, it was the, um, the big datable topic for the year. Um, it's just a matter of if they have the data or not at the college level. And I'm... I'm actually 95% sure they do have that data from the college level. So um, the metrics that teams are running on wide receivers and DBs are kind of all about levels of separation through the route tree, susceptibility to double moves, um, and their completion percentage 
at the catch point versus how often they leave receivers open to make uncontested catches. Um, so basically, for receivers and DBs, a bunch of complicated stuff behind the scenes. Um, for for D, for let's see, pass rushers, sacks are Scott knows this, but sacks are a garbage stat because. Um, it's easy sort of for quarterbacks to avoid them just by throwing the ball away and doing stuff like that. But pressures are actually pretty good. And then um, I would say scouting metrics on how often you beat your one-on-one matchups and double team matchups, in addition to how often you actually command double teams um, and what your teammates manage to do with them as well. So those are all good. Um, Running backs are weird, man. Holy cow. The the best running back metric is stupid. It's it's actually, it's actually, um, velocity at the moment of the handoff if memory serves what yeah, it's come on big data ball two years ago i can't remember if it was velocity or acceleration but it, it, here's the thing it's it's not actually like a speed or physical metric what it tells you is about the running back's vision and whether he's made a decision on what hole he's going to hit at the moment he actually takes the ball so um it, it's really a decisiveness metric and if a guy takes the ball and is stutter-stepping and not moving, it means he doesn't know what he's doing. And if, if he takes the ball and he immediately explodes forward toward a hole, it means he has a good idea. Or even if he doesn't, in his brain, he has confidence that he's going to know what he does by the time he gets to the line. So it actually is very predictive of the result of the running play. <laughs> um, I, I know that sounds insane, but it's it's true. <laughs> Um, let's see, an offensive lineman, I have no clue. I don't know how to create offensive linemen. I don't know if there's a good <laughs> stat for it at all. Is if, if I get a stat for offensive linemen, I'll tell you right away because for me it's a black box, and I, I leave that to experts and, and not me. Um, and tight ends, same as receivers, and then blocking as offensive line. So there you go. That's it. Since Scott Hartle's in Austria, he gets a second question. Yep. Any given year, what is the earliest the team should start drafting running backs, like a guy who looks like a future Hall of Famer like Marshall Falk, Obviously, since all the Packers third round picks bust for them, it is no later than the third round. <laughs> I'm looking at it. I, I don't know if all this is true, but undrafted free agent running backs in in recent history. You've got like Priest Holmes, Fred Jackson, LeGarrette yeah. Blount, Arian Foster, Dominic Rhodes, Danny Woodhead, Pierre Thomas, uh, Ryan Terrain, if you're into that sort of thing. Ryan Grant, Ben Jarvis, Green Ellis, Mike Tolbert. I mean, I know that you could probably do this with any position group, but there's some dang good guys that just don't even need to be drafted. And I don't you, know. You can't do it with any position group. Running back is the most plentiful position. And um, it, it's really hit doubly. I feel I do feel bad for running backs because it, it's not – the running backs don't matter thing is, is kind of tongue-in-cheek, but um, it's the least valuable part of the offense because running isn't as valuable as passing, and the actual running itself is greatly aided by the offensive line. So the, the running backs are only responsible for a small part of it. But compounding that, there's a lot of running backs. Um, it, it's one of the more plentiful positions out there, and it's just easy to find. So um, I mean, my truthful answer to this is I, I would basically never draft a running back. <laughs> and I mean that literally. I think you can find enough good guys on the wire that it's not really worth a pick. So sixth and seventh round picks are essentially just UDFA signings dressed up and gussied up a little bit. If you want to draft one there, that's fine. But I, I I would have a hard time going up that high, and you can you can say things like Marshall Falk and Derrick Henry, who are legitimate game changers and significantly better than their contemporaries. But it's hard to tell in advance that you're getting one of those guys. <laughs> Maybe not Derrick Henry. I mean Derrick Henry Derrick Henry is kind of his own thing. But uh, 
you know, it's really hard to tell in advance that you're getting a legendary running back. It just is. So um, your odds of getting one late are about the same as getting them early. And uh, I think that you can almost always do better at a much more important position. Uh, I, I think it's always too early. I would never do it. Let me let me just ask you this, not that I'm trying to even play devil's advocate, but just looking at things. If I look at the top rushers, the 10 best rushers. This is a good point, by the way. In 2020, right. I'm seeing an awful lot of first and second round picks. I mean, you, you'll have like James Robinson in there. So there are guys that are outliers. I mean, Aaron Jones is in that group, but, you know, Kenyon Drake was a third rounder, but it's, it's Jonathan Taylor. It's Dalvin cook. It's Derek Henry. Josh Jacobs is a first rounder. Uh, David Montgomery is a third, but Ezekiel Elliott's a first rounder. True. Melvin Gordon is a first rounder. I, I realize that rushing yards is not the end all be all when you're trying to evaluate. But if I look at this list, I'm seeing, I'm not seeing the UDFAs up here very much. I'm seeing one in, in the top 10. So, all, all, all totally good points. Um, here's a cu- couple of responses that I would give to that. The first is uh, yardage is not the greatest metric for running backs in the first place because a lot of that is opportunity and a lot of high, highly drafted backs get more carries than other guys do. Um, if, if you look at DVOA, I think you get a little bit broader picture. Like Aaron Jones is fifth in that. Um, oh, uh, Alvin Kamara is a third rounder. It's still kind of high. Wayne Gallman, undrafted free agent, was ninth last year. Um, but uh, aside from all that, the difference between the best running back and like a middle tier running back um, on a play to play basis isn't that high. Um, sure. it, the yardage might add up over time if you give a guy more opportunities, but the difference on a per play basis between like a 4.5 yard per carry average and a four yard per carry average isn't going to be determinative of how good your offense is most of the time. Um, your Whatever passing play you're going to run on second and third down to get that first down is likely not going to depend on that half-yard difference between the two of them. So I think that's really the main, the main thing you have to consider there is, yeah, there'll be a difference on the stat sheet between, between your best and worst guys. A lot of that is carries. And uh, on a play-to-play basis, it just doesn't make that much of a difference. Um, I, I will so I, I, to play my own devil's advocate here, there has been more recent research that the, the the really top running backs do actually matter in terms of easing up, uh, making things easier for your passing game. That de- that Derrick Henry does cause um, teams to put an extra linebacker on the field on defense more often which makes much makes it much easier when your team actually does go decide to pass and it's a it's a big part of Ryan Tannehill's success since he's come over to Tennessee so um, I've always kind of suspected that we do overstate the running backs don't matter thing <laughs> and uh, I do think there is now that we have some more sophisticated ways to track what guys do I think there's starting to be some evidence for that as well and it's you could also point out that if you look at the top 10 rushers it's not a lot of like Playoff teams, there's some in there, but yeah. it's 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 not a it doesn't correlate with top team success. It's it's pretty spotty that way. So yep, I I also say this for 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 the dominant running backs. Um, I think in most games you're going to want to pass to win. But think about how the Packers have lost playoff games when they've lost important playoff games. A lot of the time, it's because they get run on because they're not prepared to stop that. So even if it's not an every game thing that a running back is going to be game changing. Against certain teams, it certainly can be game changing if if they've over if they've over prepared for the pass and gone super light. It, it can cost you. It's cost the Packers on many many occasions. In a Super Bowl, it cost the Packers um, against Terrell Davis. So 
um, it, it it's certainly a thing that can happen. Dude, Lamar Jackson ran for 1,005 yards last year and finished ninth in the NFL in rushing. That's insane. <laughs> He's so fun. He is fun. He's great. I love Lamar Jackson. Got two more questions, and this one is interesting. Jonathan Deal, can relying on Raz too much in terms of player evaluation be a detriment? A couple weeks ago, there was a little kerfuffle yeah. involving you on Twitter, uh, suggesting where some people who are very good, like Owen Reese, for example, yep. who knows a ton, a ton about football, uh, he, you know, he's saying RAS is just sort of a, a lesser version of the spark test, which, uh, which we may, you may have taken in gym class. Like I did back in the day, uh, spoiler alert, my score is not very good, yeah, but, uh, <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so it is, it is a metric. Is it, is it under fire as an valuable one? So I don't, I don't think it is. And I, I think Owen was a little off base with his criticism. Um, it is similar to spark, but, um, Raz is better than Spark in a lot of ways. If you go and pull up a Raz card right now, it tells you a lot on the surface. And um, Kentley Platt should be commended for just a, a success of visual design. If, if you pull that card up, it gives you a lot of instant information. It, it It's color-coded, so you instantly know good, bad, medium. And it's broken down into several different categories. Uh, height and weight, explosion, speed. Uh, and so you, you get a really good sense instantly of... Oh, it's a small, explosive guy with not great straight line speed, or you know, it, it's a it's a huge guy with good straight line speed, but not agile, the DK Metcalf kind of thing. Um, it, it tells you a lot instantly, and that that's what the design part of it is for. And in terms of it as a metric, it's just combine numbers um, made more understandable more quickly. That's all it is. So uh, Raz is a good metric, but. Um, you definitely can rely on it too much when you're scouting. Um, for one thing, it's based on a combine score and usually one pro day um, at ma- at most. Sometimes it's only based on one combine score. And um, when you're going with a sample size of one, a lot, of, a lot can happen. Guys have bad days. Guys get sick. Guys, you know, sleep in or, you know, go out partying the night before when they shouldn't. Um, that might be a red flag for makeup, but it also impacts your combine. Um, so there's a lot that can go wrong when you do things for one day. And NFL teams, they, they'll use combine scores and they'll have, a, a, you know, a database on them. But they have better ways to evaluate. Like this, this is, like I said before, it's for us. It's for us to know, generally speaking, how athletic people are. But NFL teams will have much better versions of Raz to actually determine how athletic guys are. They'll have metrics about guys in pads and how fast they are when they're actually on a team, on a field with a ball in their hand, running away from people, making cuts, things like that. And they'll have that down uh, with high-speed tape, frame by frame, and have much better metrics. So Raz is great for us. It's the best part about it. It's freely available. It's easy to access. You can crank it out in a spreadsheet to compare people. It's a great design. But yeah, you can definitely over rely on it, and there's going to be guys that you 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 want to completely ignore that score for, for sure. All right, do we want to check the explicit box? I don't believe we've sworn yet. We've made it this far, but there is a, there fine. is a swear word on this last question. All right, great, David. David on Twitter asks, "How do you predict the Bears will fuck this up?" <laughs> I, I have uh, so I, I have a good one for this. So here's what I think will happen to the Bears to fuck this up. Um, I think that they will attempt to, to trade up to get a quarterback. No, trading up to get a quarterback can be good. Um, if you hit on a good one, but I don't think they'll go full gusto for one of the really top guys. I think they'll trade up and either get Mac Jones or Kyle Trask, and I don't think that either of those guys will be good in the pros. They'll give up a lot, and they just signed Andy Dalton to a pretty big contract, so they'll have a quarterback controversy with a not-great prospect that they use draft capital for and sell their, not whole draft, but a whole bunch of picks 
um, that they could use to improve their team elsewhere simultaneously and basically tank their whole draft for like the fifth best quarterback in a draft. So think about, uh, I like to go back to the Christian Ponder draft. I think he was like the fifth first round quarterback in that draft and, you know, just didn't work. They'll get the Christian Ponder of this draft and give up a lot to do it. It, 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 that is bears written all over it they have a desperate front office like they signed Andy Dalton they need to win to save their jobs and that's a stupid thing to do if you need to win to save your jobs because Andy Dalton sucks but they're gonna they're going all out here they're gonna they're gonna go for the best quarterback they can get they're gonna sell out every pick and every dollar they can to try and make this thing work and get in the playoffs and win a couple of playoff games and uh, by doing so they're gonna totally fuck up their roster that 2011 draft, uh, which actually, as we record this on Wednesday night, is celebrating its 10th anniversary <laughs> with Christian Ponder. Tough, tough scene for quarterbacks. Cam Newton goes one overall. Then Jake Locker, who's out of football, oh, taking the eighth just pick. An awful pick. One of the worst draft picks ever made. And and the reason Jake Locker being selected is vivid in my mind. I'll tell you in a minute. But then Blaine Gabbard goes 10, Christian Ponder 12, uh, and then that's it in the first round. Surprisingly, only the four quarterbacks taken – in the first round of the 2011 draft. So, but, but Andy Dalton goes in the second round and Colin Kaepernick. Okay. Yeah. So needless to say the wrong guys were taken, but uh, I remember Jake Locker because I was in Pewaukee. That's JJ Watts draft year. And I was at Sandbar sports grill in Pewaukee, bunch of Pewaukee people were there waiting for JJ Watt. And I just remember Tennessee came up and there was some thought that Tennessee could take him. And, and, you know, with the eighth pick, the Tennessee Titans take Jay, like just, I could just see that moment in my head where they say <laughs> Jay and it's like, Oh, Oh, it's a different J name. Uh, and then Houston took him three picks later. Yep. But, uh, that was the first non pro bowler taken in that draft. The top seven guys all made pro bowls. Uh, and then Tennessee took Jake Locker and then Teron Smith, JJ Watt, Mike Pouncey and Robert Quinn are all taken in before the top in the top 15 picks. Uh-huh. And, and and Christian Ponder is also in the top 15 and Nick Fairley. Tough, tough scene for those teams. Tough scene. Tough scene indeed. Jake Locker, a 54 percent college completion percentage and a mm. six point six point seven yards yards per attempt. That's awful. That, that he would is, have gone number one if he'd come out a year before, right? Uh, he might have gone number one, but he was awful as a junior too. So that would have also been unjustified. Mm. Just, just a terrible pick. He, he is a super athletic guy. He is a he is a top five Raz all time for quarterbacks, but just couldn't complete a pass. Kyle Bullery, uh, don't don't <laughs> pick those guys. Not a good idea. Cool. Brad Ford did ask question for Paul: Brad. Should the Packers draft a wide receiver, which we have touched on? Yes. They should. That's they, they have should. none. They have none signed after uh, two years. So yeah, they should. Yeah. So here's what's going to make me happy. Here's what is going to cause me to scream at the TV. The Bears trading up to draft Trask. I'm super excited about that possibility. Me too. I, I would. I would be over the moon if that. Ha- that'll be happier than anything the Packers do. The Packers drafting Greg Newsom, so I can say with a story, no, that's not Craig Newsom's kid. The Packers drafting Felipe Franks late in the draft, so I could say, no, that's not Bubba Franks's kid. And then drafting Jacob Harris, the new Jeff Janis, the college, the soccer star who's playing football at UCF. I want this to happen. I want that. I also I do want Nico Collins. Uh, he is my receiver who I want. So. I'm where's he being? Where's he being mocked? He's like a second or third round guy, I, or is I, I he late first? Mostly in the third. So. Oh wow, yeah. down there, yep. man, man, opting out is has an interesting effect on where these guys are are getting mocked like Carlos Basham I think who didn't play much in 2020 yeah. I think he'd be higher there's there's a few guys it's just like that is just such an impossible decision to make as a college kid to know what the right thing to do is very difficult yeah it really is I would um a little bit later I would also like Dwayne Eskridge who is my number one receiver in ROPS this year 
Um, but I think he's going to go. He started to gain attention. I think he's going to go a little too high. Too bad. Yeah. Too bad. Paul, that's all I got. I mean, I don't have much. What do you got? Anything else? Uh, no, that, that's pretty much all. I've, I've let, Let's do plugs because I've written a lot in anticipation of the draft. But you got anything good? Yeah. Well, I mean, I've always got a little I bit of good. Did. You know, we've got we've got a lot of stuff right now at jsonline.com that doesn't have anything to do with the draft. It's the Bucks 1971 championship season. We've been celebrating it all week. It's really good stuff. It's really, really good. I hope you have a subscription to the Journal Sentinel. If you don't, get one for a short period of time. jsonline.com slash deal. There's an oral history of this team. There's a great story today from Jim Ozarski about the parade that wasn't held for the Bucks. They threw a parade in 57 when the Braves won. Loved it. They threw a parade in 82 when the Brewers didn't yep. win. But what about the Bucks in 1971? They got nothing. And, you know, some players are fine with it. Some players are not. Like, they're not cool with that. And uh, over time, it's gotten – the the wound has kind of gotten a little deeper. So um, so that, it's a great story. I've got a – I have a story about Kareem versus Wilt. Uh, I also have a kind of a semi-column that's going to post on, on Thursday about just the 50 years since the Bucks won the 1971 title. It's been a minute. Um Obviously, obviously, go to PackersNews.com for a ton of draft content. They've got profiles of a gajillion players, lots of position group looks, uh, lots of predictions, and, and there's going to be like live a live blog. It's going to be a madhouse. You're definitely going to want to be part of that. Uh, that's not all subscriber only or anything, so so you can take part at the live blog with Tom Silverstein, who's a genius, and uh, yeah, I, that's what I got. That's right. what I got. Cool. Um, I, I've written a ton at Acme Packing Company lately in anticipation of the draft. Um, I wrote a big thing on Felipe Franks and why he is the most underrated player in the draft class here. Uh, I combined Kentley Platts Raz and my ROPs to pick out a bunch of receivers, including Jacob Harris, including Nico Collins, um, that they should be targeting because they're going to be underrated by their current mock status. Um, and uh, I've yeah, those those are the big two. I'll, I'll be doing some previews for some candidates as well coming up. And and there was a reporting is eligible yesterday on um, just the QBOPS process of um, assessing quarterbacks and picking diamonds in the rough about how Tyler Huntley showed up last year and turned out to be I think pretty good based on a small sample size playoff performance, but still pretty good. And um, about guys who hit on that this year and some of the other scouting on some of the top quarterbacks. And like I mentioned earlier, there's. They're kind of all over the map in what they do well and what they do poorly. Um, like Justin Fields is good at everything except at hitting guys directly in stride where he's a little bit worse than everybody else. Um, and Mac Jones is bad at moving. Um, a bunch of guys are bad under pressure. And Kyle Trask is, isn't that good. He's Rex Grossman. So um, check all that out. And um, I, I'll be contributing to their draft coverage as we get closer to, but I'm also moving. So only a little bit. Um, but that's <laughs> uh, that, that'll do it. We'll 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 get Matt wrangled up and and um, get him back on sometime soon as well. Um, next time we have some some Packer news to break. But uh, I hope you all enjoyed the draft and thank you for joining us. I busted in and I was going to win. I caught Gable back in Oakland. It's the same old song. It's for the shorty, same freckles and hat, drinking the same four. Hypothetical, political, lyrical, miracle whip. Just like butter. My rhymes are legit, cause I'm a humpty. Not humpty dumpty, but humpty hump. Here a hump, there a hump, everywhere. Uh, humpty hump. Shut up and just listen. Not dissing, don't get me wrong. But to me, it's just the same old song. So just watch, cause my name is Shock. I like to rock and you can't stop this. Tupac, go ahead and rock. This. Now I clown around when I hang around with the underground. Girls used to frown, say I'm down when I come around. Around, gas me, and when they pass me, they used to diss me, harass me. But now they ask me if they can kiss me. Get some fame, people change, wanna live their life high. Same song can't go wrong.